0: everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Historic Pinstripes where we discuss the history of the New York Yankees. If you're new to the show, the goal of the Historic Pinstripes show as always is to preserve the rich history and tradition of the New York Yankees by sharing my passion for the Yankees and discussing all sorts of topics in Yankees history. Again, my name is Brian and I have been a diehard Yankees fan since I was about seven years old. This week's show is on the top five Yankees captains of all time and why. But first, I just wanted to start off by um, telling you a little bit about the role of the captains in baseball history, especially the especially Yankees history. Um, however, in the early 1900s, the captain was primarily served as like the on-field and clubhouse leader. So basically, the captain was like a player manager. Um, so it was a, a lot different. And um. Because of that, I think that's probably why, like, if you look up, there's not really an official list of every single captain. There's a few other guys who are not on there that I guess they found out later that sh- should have been on there. Like, for instance, the list included Hal Chase as the first-ever captain of the Yankees. Um, he was a first baseman for the Yankees. He, w- he was captain in 1910 to 1912. Um, and actually, a side note, Babe Ruth and Walter Johnson, who was also a Hall of Famer, Uh, Walter Johnson was also nicknamed the big train. But Babe Ruth and Walter Johnson said that Hal Chase was the best first baseman that they ever saw. However, he was not the first captain. Howard Rosenberg later found out that there were three players left off the original list of captains. And they were Clark Griffith, who was a pitcher, 1903 to 1905. He was the very first captain or player manager if you will because back then I think player managers were captains I, it's just I, it sounds like that's kind of how they just how they how they did it baseball back in the early 1900s and late 1800s were a lot different uh, Kilda Elberfeld was the second captain he was a shortstop I mentioned him in the top five Yankee shortstops episode um, he was captain for 1906 to 1908 after Clark Griffith um, Frank chance was the manager in 1913 and I guess it's even though it's not confirmed, but it was reported by the New York Times that Frank Chance was a captain in uh, 2007. Or at least, I guess they they said that he was called captain a few times. So, he's also uh, another guy that was, even though he's not confirmed, he was probably a captain. Or at least he was called a captain at that time. Willie Keeler, or we Willie Keeler as they call him, um, a Hall of Famer, he was an outfielder. He was also a captain. There was a member of the Society of, for American Baseball Research, Clifford blaw or however you pronounce his name. Um, he found out that wee Will, Willie Keeler was also a captain from 1908 to 1909. Um, as you can see, captains were a lot different back in these days. Um, they were basically like player managers, and it was just a, a, a lot different. There were a lot more to it. Um, like The Yankees were not actually called the Yankees back in the early 1900s. They were the New York Highlanders from like 19... It was like 1903 or so until like 1912. Because originally, I think it was like around 1900, they were actually the Baltimore Orioles. Then they moved to New York, became the New York Highlanders. And then at some point, I think they were starting to be called the New York Yankees. But I think officially they became the Yankees around 1912, roughly. I'm not sure exactly the year. Anyways, moving on. So Clark Griffith, um, he ended up getting fired... um, and the next manager hired was Kid Elberfeld, but Hal Chase, um, he did not like that because he wanted to be the next player manager or captain, if you will. Um, so he held out, um, or at least he was going to, and he ended up wanting to go and play in the California leagues. Again, baseball was much different in these days, um, and players didn't get paid quite as much as they they were back then. Of course, I'm sure back then um, people might have thought they were getting paid a lot, but um, maybe not even. Uh, I'm. I'm not positive on that. Um, However, Hal Chase claimed that the Yankees management fed a negative story about him to a local newspaper, and I guess it caused um, the Yankees to... The Yankees actually made him pay a fee to be reinstated um, to play in 1909, Um, and he did actually end up going back and playing in 1908 as well. Um, There was a little bit of controversy there too as far as um, Kid Elberfeld getting the job over Hal Chase because Hal Chase wanted the job, um, so anyways, uh, then later in 1910, how chase did become the player manager, but before that they did name George Stallings manager over how chase and, um, the Yankees weren't doing very well. They actually, they never won the world series until 1923, of course. Um, uh, but George Stallings became the manager in 1910, the beginning of 1910. Um, he was the manager. So George Stallings alleged that how chase was laying down in games so that he can be the, the next player manager. George Stallings was not really a player manager though. I mean I guess he was. Because um, I had looked it up on baseballreference.com. And it said that he did play some games. Um, in in uh, like I think the early 1900s. Late 1800s. But with the New York Highlanders. He didn't play a whole lot of games. Um, so anyways. George Stallings ended up getting fired. And Hal Chase got hired. Uh, like I said. Um, Stallings alleged that Hal Chase was laying down the games. And actually, Stallings even went to the New York Highlanders front office or executives. Um, and they, he told them if they did not release Hal Chase, then he was just going to resign. And Stallings ended up getting fired, of course. Hal Chase got hired as the new manager. And, of course, he was a player. So he was a player manager, captain, um, whatever they called it. And Hal Chase led them to a 500-record in 1911 and then um he actually quit after the next season as a manager so he was just a player he actually ended up signing a three-year contract before 1913 and he actually struggled for his new manager in 1913 frank chance uh during the season how chase was hitting just 221 and he was struggling with injuries that i guess he had said um impaired his play um frank chance was worried that how chase was laying down games just like um, George Stallings was worried and um, in fact I guess they had questions on whether how chase was putting forth uh, you know the effort necessary to overcome his injuries and his slump as well Um, so the Yankees ended up trading him that year to the White Sox for Babe Borton who was a first baseman and Raleigh Zader who was an infielder Um, anyways that's basically how the captains kind of started they're mostly player managers. Anyways, um, basically the first ever captain, like I said before, was Roger Peckinpaugh, who was a shortstop. He was a very good player. I think he might even be a Hall of Famer. I'm not sure if he was a Hall of Famer, but he was. He was a very good player. He was their basically. I, he was their longest tenured captain from 1914 to 1922. Um, I believe he was a right-handed hitter. Uh, and then the next um, captain after him, I think he left and ended up going to the Red Sox, ironically. And Everett Scott, um, also a shortstop, uh, he was captain from 1922 to 1925. And actually during that time, I think it was 1925, um, that season, Babe Ruth, they gave him the captaincy. And Babe Ruth was captain for just five days. So in 1925, Babe Ruth took over as captain. And he was only captain for five days, like I said. Um, The reason why he was only captain for five days was because there was a heckler in the crowd, who I guess obviously it was heckling Ruth and the Yankees, and um, Ruth didn't take kind to it, so he actually went into the crowd and went after the heckler, and after that he was they didn't he wasn't the captain anymore, and I think they actually gave it to Everett Scott, I believe, um, but anyway, so uh, a side note too, Everett Scott is was actually the only player ever to be captain of the Yankees and Red Sox, so it, that kind of goes to show you right there how. Um, Being a captain of a team was a little bit different. That's something you wouldn't really – I don't think you would ever see that today, Um, especially being a captain of the Yankees and the Red Sox. That's um, a very rare thing. And actually, another thing about Everett Scott, another side note, was that Everett Scott actually has the third longest um, streak of um, consecutive games in a row played. Um, Obviously, Cal Ripken Jr., and then uh, Blue Gehrig, and then Everett Scott. Everett Scott had the original record, which was 1,307. And, of course, um, that was broken by Lou Gehrig with 2,103 straight games. And, of course, Cal with 2,632 straight games. Um, but, anyways, I just thought that was an interesting side note. So, before I start talking about the top five Yankee captains, I just wanted to talk a little bit about um, leadership. And I actually looked up the definition of leadership, which was... The action of leading a group of people of an organization. And um, that definition was from Google. But, anyways, basically, I just wanted to kind of go over some of this um, just to kind of give some background on what I was looking for for the top five captains. Um, some leadership styles, awareness. So, basically, like, awareness of the city and where you're playing or you're representing to the Yankees, um, awareness of, like, you know, being around like New York City and after like you're representing the Yankees. So after the games, you're going to get a lot of questions from the media. Um, and obviously there's a lot more media in New York. So you got to be very aware of your surroundings and everything. Communication is another leadership style as well. Um, and also because, like I said, back to awareness, um, because you have to kind of like be aware of where you are. And by a leader who is aware of, like where they are, um, like other people who come in um, and join the team, they see that person being aware of, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of like, kind of like leading by example in a way. So that's one uh, style of leadership. Communication is another thing too. Obviously, that's very important for anyone really. Um, communication is when you when like someone in the clubhouse uh, just says what they need to whenever, like, something's going on in the clubhouse, whenever someone's struggling, or if there's just something that needs to be said. Like, if if uh, a, a teammate is just being very negative, um, really even, like, if, if you're even at work or whatever it is, like, um, you, it's just some, a leader is someone who steps up and tries to help everyone just kind of pull together and have that same goal and vision. And, and another leadership style would be respect. Um, obviously, you know, guys like Gehrig and Jeter and Mattingly, they all did this. Respect is earned, too. You want your your teammates to respect you, your, and you obviously need to respect your teammates. Just because you're a leader doesn't mean that your teammates are obligated to respect you. You have to still earn their respect. But, of course, like, in order to be a captain, they don't just name people captains. It's usually people that, like Jason Veritek for the Red Sox, just uh, to pick another team for a second um Jason Veritek he was probably their captain before he was actually their captain Derek Jeter same thing he was their captain before he was their captain and basically every Yankee captain you can pretty much think of um so that's uh, another example of the respect uh leadership style um honesty is another one so that's basically like just um a leader who has the courage to do the right thing no matter what no matter uh what anyone's saying in the clubhouse or or any of your teammates think or say or whatever. It's uh, just having the courage to do the right thing and help the team pull forward and focus on the goal, which is obviously for a baseball team to win the World Series. Moving on, just uh, another thing I wanted to mention was some good leadership traits. So don't leave your teammates behind, don't leave people behind. Um, the leader, you know, you're, if you're a leader, you're not going to leave your teammates behind. You're going to, you want to pull them with you and you want to kind of inspire them to do. Um, to, to play their best and you want them to inspire you because even though you're the leader it doesn't mean you're a better player than them you just you have to lead by example basically um, another one another good leadership trait would be don't charge forward without your teammates or other people I mean that's kind of self-explanatory the third good leadership trait is mobilize others and continually inspire them to strive forward toward the goal which is obviously to win the World Series and some Things that leaders do not do, um, which is basically the opposite of the good leadership traits, um, leaders do not wait around for others to guide them, and leaders do not try to take over the game and win it by themselves. It takes a team to win a game, all 25 guys, sometimes the whole 40-man roster as well. So um, another another thing I wanted to mention was that leaders focus on how to keep improving and helping everyone play their best and the team win ultimately because that's uh, winning the game is that's the ultimate goal it doesn't matter what you did if you went four for four and the the team lost or um, then it doesn't really matter Um, however you play 162 games and sometimes it's keeping that focus you know if you lose the game you know keep that focus on the next game and where you can improve to uh, win the next game and and just keep moving forward Um, if you have a leader that's like, really inspires you, um, you know, you want to run through a wall for them. Like Derek Jeter, for instance, with the Yankees, um, back in, like, the 2000s, 2003, he was named captain, but he was a leader well before that. Um, And, you know, I don't think I've ever heard a bad thing said about Derek Jeter, and especially by his teammates. I mean, those guys all, you know, they love playing with Derek Jeter. Um, And Derek Jeter's one of the most just, I mean, look at 2014 with the whole respect thing. But I mean, I'll talk about Jeter a little bit more. Um, but that's just one other thing I wanted to mention. Joe DiMaggio's famous saying, which was, "I'd like to thank the good Lord for making me a Yankee," um, which is, I think is a perfect quote uh, for these captains. Um, so the first captain I want to mention is Lou Gehrig, and the reason why I think that quote, um, I'd like to thank the good Lord for making me a Yankee, which was said by Joe DiMaggio is such a good quote for like Lou Gehrig, Derek Jeter, all these other guys is that, you know, um, all these guys, they, they really appreciated being a Yankee and they just, they relished every opportunity they got and they, they just loved the game. They played for the love of the game. They played for the right reasons. And, uh, that's basically why I wanted to start off with that. Um, Lou Gehrig, he led by example. Um, he was also the pride of the Yankees. Like, like yes, there was the movie, The Pride of the Yankees, the nineteen forty-two film with Gary Cooper, um, but he actually was the pride of the Yankees. He was like just the way that, like when nineteen thirty-nine, um, that was the year he played his last game in April, and I guess he played his last game because he was not playing well at all. He was, I think he, I think they said that he actually felt like he was embarrassing the the team and himself really because he and he didn't know he was very like i think even in 1938 he wasn't really playing as well and and um he, he didn't like having to answer all the questions and just kind of he didn't want to put that pressure on the team to have to pick him up um then in july when he gave the speech and how they the whole team i believe the whole team the whole yankee team was on the field for that speech it might have even been the whole other team too i'm not positive on that though um Lou garrick anyway he was the pride of the yankees um he played 2,130 straight games, like I mentioned before. Obviously, that's a record, um, and that record stood for 56 years until Cap- Kyle Ripken broke it. And um, basically, he set the bar. I mean, yes, Everett Scott had a, I mean, 1,307 straight games. That's a that's a good amount of games too. But Lou Gehrig really he uh, really surpassed Everett Scotts by quite a lot. And he even played through injuries and broken bones, I've heard too. Uh, his last game, like I said, was played April of 1939. And that was in the middle of a four straight World Series titles. They had already won three straight World Series titles. For him to have to, uh, you know, retire like that and go out like that, that that had to really hurt him. But at the same time, that just shows you how much he like he. It wasn't about Lou Gehrig. Eventually, he wasn't going to always be there. It was, I mean, it was time for him to go and pass the baton to somebody else. And that's why Lou Gehrig is one of the best captains, if not the best captain, in Yankee history. And actually, if you think about it, in really, all of sports, you can, in my opinion, anyway. Um, but a couple a couple of quotes I wanted to mention. Lou Gehrig said anyway was, and I think the this quote anyway kind of it kind of tells you a little bit more about Lou Gehrig. Um, but anyways, he, he once said, The pictures are just as good as they always have been or just as bad. So I just feel like that quote just kind of tells you a lot about Lou Gehrig and it tells you how he doesn't like to make excuses. And so another quote that there that I found um, that was about Lou Gehrig, Bill Dickey once said that Lou Gehrig just went out and did his job every day. And one other quote, quote about Lou Gehrig was by a New York sports writer from the New York Times. His greatest record doesn't show in the book. It was the absolute reliability of Henry Lewis Gehrig. He could be counted upon. He was there every day at the ballpark, bending his back and ready to break his neck to win for his side. He was there day after day, year after year. He never soaked or whined and went into a pot or a huff. He was the answer to a manager's dream. And that was said again by the sports writer from New York times. His name was John Kieran. Um, So, there's another one I wanted to mention. And one last quote I wanted to mention, just a quote I kind of like, and I think it says a lot about Lou Gehrig. He said, I love to win, but I love to lose almost as much. I love the thrill of victory, and I also love the challenge of defeat. Lou Gehrig. So, moving on, another captain for the Yankees was Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter was named captain in 2003, but like Lou Gehrig, Lou Gehrig was named captain by the way in 1935, but you know Lou Gehrig and Derek Jeter they were they were leaders well before that um really if you think about it Derek Jeter was kind of a leader in 1996 and that was his rookie year but he well I mean after like the first few months or so but um really he probably became the captain more like in the like the late 90s or so maybe like 98 2000 or so really a lot of the guys like Paul O'Neill tino martinez a lot of those guys i'm sure were very helpful and those guys were leaders as well so they probably really kind of pushed derek jeter a a quote i wanted to mention that derek jeter said about leadership um was leadership is more about what you do not what you say is that something that derek jeter said um and i feel like that's very true Uh, that's just kind of it tells you a lot about derek jeter right there and that's you know, obviously everyone says like how he leads by example and really all these guys leads by lead by example. Another thing about Jeter, I feel like he was just a throwback to Lou Gehrig prior to the Yankees. Um, he wanted to play no matter what, no matter if he was hurt. Um, obviously Derek Jeter did not have the Iron Man streak that Lou Gehrig did, but of course he did play in a much different era as well. But um, And, and they, were, they were two very different players. Obviously Lou Gehrig was just a hitting machine um you know Derek jeter was a hitting you he could really hit as well, but um Jeter was more of a table setter, whereas Garrick just he could just really really he could hit for power for average he just could just really do it all also another thing about Jeter was that he was a team player, no matter what like you like even though he was the captain, he didn't act like he was better than anybody, he relished his role as a table setter in the lineup he knew the importance of like moving runners. I mean, and he didn't try to be a hero too. like, like he, yes, a lot of times he came through in the clutch. He came through in the biggest moments when it really mattered. And he was the hero a lot of times because, you know, sometimes he just came up to the plate or he made a big catch that really saved the game. But um, a lot of times it's the little things that you do to help the other guys feel comfortable. Anyways, moving on. uh, Another thing about Jeter that makes him one of the top captains in Yankee history, uh, his respect from his teammates, and even the opposing team as well. In 2014, like I mentioned, the whole respect campaign, um, that right there just is a huge sign of uh, respect for anybody. So that right there is another reason why Derek Tudor uh, was one of the best captains. And, of course, like I mentioned, you know, he was a part of some great teams in the late 90s, and he had some really clutch um, at-bats for the Yanks and made some great catches, like the flip play, which is probably his greatest play of all time. Of course, he the, he had the uh, the dive in the regular season, in uh, Yankee Stadium, 2004. I think it was around around July the 4th of July or so. Might have been on the 4th of July against the Red Sox. Dove into the stands um, with no regard for his body, and he actually came out bloodied. And um, so, and and actually the, the the day after that, he still wanted to play that game. And but I think Tory decided not to uh, not, not to have him play, which was obviously the right decision. But um, Just the fact that you wanted to play shows you everything you need to know about Derek Jeter. Um, and I just figured I'd end it with this quote by Derek Jeter. There may be people who have more talent than you, but there is no excuse for anyone to work harder than you. Um, and that tells you all you really need to know about Derek Jeter. Another captain I wanted to mention was Don Mattingly, who became the Yankees captain in 1991 to 1995. Um, Of course, he basically retired in 95, but his official retirement didn't come until after the 96 season because he kind of took a year off. Um, I think 97, I think it might have been 97 officially he retired, Um, but it was like the beginning of the year or something like that. And a quote about Dom Angley that he said was, When I gave up me, I became more. I became a captain, a leader, a better person. I came to understand that life is a team game. And you know what? I found most people aren't team players they don't realize that life is the only game in town someone should tell them it has made all the difference in the world to me I feel like that is a great quote and that's something I I don't even remember Don Mattingly saying but I looked it up and I guess he did say it and I, I could see him saying that because um Mattingly as a captain I feel like he was just the way he was with the younger Yankees like Obviously, Derek Jeter and Bernie Williams especially. Bernie Williams, it took him a long time to really get going. Maybe not a long time, but like from 92 to 94, I'd say it took him. Or 91, actually. I think he started in 91. Uh, 91 to 94. So it took him a, a good three years to really um, to really make it as a Yankee. And even then, like he still ended up almost getting traded. 95 was obviously Bernie's breakout year, but uh, Don Mattingly really helped him along. I believe there was even an outfielder named Mel Hall. um, And I guess he actually gave Bernie a hard time. or I'm not sure what he did, but uh, um, I guess Don Mattingly actually had to speak up a little bit for Bernie, which obviously is another sign of a great captain. Uh, He led by example. He played hard. Another thing about Don Mattingly, he was a great player in the 1980s. And from 1984 to 1989, uh, Don Mattingly was probably the best player in the game. He always hustled regardless of if he was hurt played as hard as he could no matter what um, he never dogged it down the line even wh- even with his uh his uh chronic back injuries that he always he was always um, having at least in the early 1990s from 1990 to nineteen really to 1995 um but anyways he uh, maddenly was one of the most humble players especially toward the end of his career 1990 1995 but even throughout his career anyway um he had a lot of respect. Um, from his teammates. Um, I don't think you ever really heard a bad word said about Don Manningley. In fact, actually Don Mattingly got his nickname uh from Kirby Puckett, Donnie Baseball, if you can get respect from even the opposing teams. Um, that says a lot about, you know, Don Mattingly or any player really. Um and another thing about Mattingly is that he was always focused on helping the team, you know, even if the Yankees were bad and the Yankees had some very bad years I think from basically 1989 to 19, I guess, 92 or so. 92, they were starting to get better, though, but they still weren't great. Even 93, I mean, they didn't make the playoffs, but 93, they were getting better. I think that was actually the first year they started to make a run at the playoffs, but they just came up short, um, and they missed it. So, I mean, he, he even though they had some bad years, he, uh, he, he always made sure that the Yankees gave their best. And if the Yankees didn't give their best part of being a leader is being able to say something to the team and, and, and tell the, to be able to say something to your teammates and that takes courage. And so Don Mattingly is another, he was another great leader, um, and great captain of the Yankees. Um, and one last quote I wanted to leave you with for Don Mattingly was, he said, if you don't second guess yourself, then you're not trying to get better. And two other captains, which is really kind of like one captain, Um, Willie Randolph and Ron Guidry Um, They were both co-captains In 1986 to 1988 And a quote from Willie Randolph That I wanted to mention uh, Randolph once said We don't care about that This is a new team, a new year We just go out and play And that kind of, to me, tells you Kind of a lot about Willie Um, Willie just, he didn't really He he was just very focused And wanted to help the team as much as he could Um, He uh, led by example Um he was a team player, played hard. Um, he was a uh, he was a veteran at the time. Of course, you know Thurman Munson was the captain in 1976 to 79. However, uh, obviously he passed away in 79. So I mean, the fact that he passed away, the, the Yankees ended up they they ended up giving it to Randolph and Guidry. At that time, they were kind of giving the captaincy away a little bit more. Then, however, that's not to take away anything from Willie Randolph and Ron Guidry, because they were still leaders at that time. However, Willie was also a future manager, and the fact that he was a captain probably helped him become a manager. But it also tells you that he was definitely could definitely be a great leader. And he was a New Yorker, so he knew the city. He was aware of everything around the city and how to how to take, how to handle the media. Um, and of course, Guidry was, you know, he was the leader of the pitching staff. He was the ace of the Yankees. And I think the, the way that they had Randolph being the leader of the position players, basically Gator as the position, the leader of the pitching staff, it made sense. And Guidry was another guy that he wasn't really afraid to say anything to anyone really. Um, I mean, maybe, like, the, he uh, he had a, a quote about Billy Martin, I guess, that I um, can't remember the exact words, but Billy – he basically said he would rather avoid Billy Martin because, you know, Billy Martin had the tendency to be a little disagreeable anyway, I'll put it that way. Um, but regardless, um, they're both veterans. Uh, they led by example, and they're two very good leaders. So I just wanted to leave you with a quote from Ron Guidry. I'm probably going to lean on a lot of people a great deal. And I, I like this quote from Ron Guidry um, because it just kind of shows how you know even leaders need help um and if you don't accept help as a leader then you're not really doing your job you need to you need to accept help from other people leaders don't just tell people what to do they go out there and they do it and if they need help they need help they they ask somebody for help and that actually builds respect from your teammates moving on uh Thurman Munson uh, was the, is the next captain I wanted to mention. He was a captain in 1976 to 1979. Of course, he was a leader before, well, before that, I'm sure. Um, but Thurman Munson was the first Yankee captain in like 37 years or so after Lou Gehrig. Because after Lou Gehrig, there was no captain. And they they probably could have had some captains, and maybe Hank Bauer could have been a captain or Joe DiMaggio. But then again, Joe DiMaggio played with Lou Gehrig, and I think it's kind of cool how they didn't. They, they wanted to kind of have no captain because of the way, obviously, Lou Gehrig was, like, the ideal captain. Um, so the just the fact that they didn't give it to anybody until Thurman Munson, um, you know, that's 37 years. That's a long time. Um, and Thurman Munson was a very good captain in his own right, in my opinion anyway. Thurman Munson seems like he was, like, the perfect captain for those 1977-1978 teams especially. Um, but really that entire decade, really. Anyways, one quote I wanted to mention that Thurman Munson said, maybe they made me captain because I've been here for so long. But if I'm supposed to lead by example, then I'll be a terrible captain. I think right there, I just want to lead off by mentioning like just how brutally honest he was. And I think that quote kind of shows that Thurman was not afraid to tell anybody anything. And that's something they really needed, especially in the Bronx Zoo, um, uh, which is basically what they called the environment of the 1977-78 Yankees. And I think that's exactly why he was the perfect fit for being a captain. Being And obviously, he was already a leader anyway. Um, but that team, that team, they loved Thurman. Um, and he was a great captain. He really was. He was a perfect Yankee captain, to be honest. And just the fact that like, maybe he didn't have the other what the other captains had, like Derek Jeter or Lou Gehrig in some ways, maybe. But... I think in a lot of ways he did, it just maybe wasn't the same. Um, however, like I said, he was a perfect fit for a Yankee captain, um, especially in that time period, uh, the, At the, and they needed his style of leadership too. Um, so you, you can have lots of – there's lots of different styles of leadership. Um, he was a great communicator with the pitchers. Um, and he was a very good defensive catcher. And I guess the pitchers loved, from what I've heard, the pitchers, the Gator, the Gator uh, loved throwing to him. He always said, and and uh, a lot of the other guys like Thurman Munson. I mean, uh, Goose Gossage said he loved uh, pitching to Thurman Munson. Um, but anyways, so he was very well well liked by by all of his pitchers, um, at least that I've heard of. Anyway, uh, he was a very obviously very focused on helping the Yankees win no matter what. And he knew how to handle Billy Martin, which was a big thing because Billy didn't handle George very well, and uh, obviously Billy didn't always he Billy didn't Billy kind of wanted to play by his rules, and George obviously wanted to play by his. So that was a tough environment. Um, if you ever get the chance, you should check out the the TV show uh, I was done uh, like probably like fifteen years ago or so, The Bronx is Burning by ESPN. Um, that was uh, a very good TV series. Um, but anyways. Uh, thurman commanded respect from his teammates he also had a show of his support from his teammates from the uh, plane crash in 1979 and the show of support from his teammates after that um you know the, the way that they they came back in the game after uh i was i think it was the same day after the funeral and he um bobby mercer he had the go-ahead rbi single the way that they won the game for him in his honor um, that just goes to show you how well-respected Thurman was. He was the he was their guy. He was their leader. And uh, that says really all you need to know about Thurman Munson and how great of a leader he really, really was. Um, so I just wanted to mention uh, one last quote about Thurman Munson that he said. Thurman Munson said, I like hitting fourth and I like the good batting average, but what I do every day behind the plate is a lot more important because it touches so many people and so many more aspects of the game. And, um, again, I just thought that was a pretty cool quote from Thurman Munson, and it says a lot about him. And another quote that I wanted to mention from an Esquire article, the article was called The House That Thurman Munson Built. Um, it was August 3rd, 2013, by Michael Paterniti. Um The quote was by Jorge Posada. He said um, about Thurman Munson, Growing up, I kind of liked the way he played. I didn't see much of him, but I remember him being a leader. I remember him really standing up for his teammates, and that really caught my eye. So I feel like that was just a really great quote by Posada, another catcher. Um, and, you know, just that just goes to show you just how, how good of a leader Thurman Munson was, that, you know, even a future um, catcher of the Yankees. And, uh, you know, Posada, even though he wasn't a captain, he was a, a leader. So that just kind of says a lot about Thurman Munson. And one last captain I wanted to mention was Greg Nettles, who was captain from 1982 to 1984. However, in '84 he was already on San Diego. And I guess because, I guess the way that Greg Nettles left, um, they didn't really, uh, he didn't leave the Yankees on great terms. And he left the Yankees. um, And when he left the Yankees, he was still actually considered captain of the Yankees in 1984, even though he was on the Padres. However, one thing Greg Nettles said was, when I was a little boy, I wanted to be a baseball player and also join the circus. With the Yankees, I've accomplished both. And that was Greg Nettles talking about the Bronx Zoo environment of 1977-78. And that's basically um, a lot. That's very, that tells you a lot about Greg Nettles. He was just a very lighthearted character um, on the Yankees. Um, however, he was definitely a hard-nosed player. Um, he was obviously very honest and he spoke up when necessary. And he wasn't afraid to say things. Sometimes he said things that maybe weren't the right thing to say. Um, however, he was definitely a uh, team player. Um, maybe he didn't always see eye to eye with the Yankees at times. Or, of course, I think he, he, the reason why he didn't sign with the Yankees, I, I guess the Yankees felt like he, was, he wasn't he was going to have any more good years. And um, he felt like he had, he had some uh, better years left in him. And so he ended up leaving. But anyways, Greg Nettles, he played hard. He helped the Yankees win two World Series titles. And actually, they almost won three World Series titles in 1981 as well. And who knows, maybe if they had Thurman Munson, um, they probably, Greg Nettles and maybe even Willie Randolph or Ron Goodry might not have even been captain. Then again, maybe Dom Mattingly wouldn't have been captain. Or maybe they would have then too, because I guess they said that Thurman Munson wouldn't have played until he was 40 because he was already even though he was like I think he was thirty two at the time of his passing and he, he uh, was already missing being away from his family and that's why he was um, you know flying a lot more to Ohio Ohio and flying back. I guess he liked he liked to fly, but he also liked to go back and be with his family and he would do that a lot. Um, anyways, moving on, one last quote about Greg Nettles. Nettles said, People recognize me wherever I go, where it used to be just New York I guess people who aren't even baseball fans watch the World Series. I was driving down the freeway in Los Angeles over the winter, and a guy pulled up next to me and gave me the finger. And that was, of course, said by Greg Nettles. So moving on, now it's time to rank the top five Yankee captains in Yankees history. This was a very hard decision because it's kind of hard to choose the top five Yankee captains. So the reason why I decided to go with Lou Gehrig and Derek Jeter at the top was basically I just feel like they were like the perfect fit as Yankee captains in general like um they were like the perfect fit for New York for Yankee State for Yankee Stadium um Thurman Munson I feel like was a great captain as well um however I feel like because Lou Gehrig was so revered and you know they really didn't have another they didn't have another captain for 37 years before Thurman Munson was the captain and even though Thurman Munson was a perfect fit at the time I feel like Derek Jeter still probably was a better captain i mean it's really hard to rank these this is a it's a very subjective um top five rankings it's basically who you think this is just my particular opinion i and also i didn't see thurman munson play either so maybe i would have felt differently if i got to see him play um don mattingly was another guy i did i did feel like thurman munson and don mattingly were kind of similar in some ways the only thing is um another thing i'm Another reason why I decided to go with Lou Gehrig and Derek Jeter over Thurman Munson was that uh, Thurman Munson, um, you know, he only won two World Series titles. Jeter won uh, four, five World Series titles. And Lou Gehrig, um, I think he won like seven World Series titles with the Yankees or s- something like that anyway. However, that's part of it too because uh, with the Yankees, you want to win the World Series. Um, so obviously, dramatically, he never really got to the playoffs. So it wasn't his fault. You know, because he was just one player. However, um, it is part of it as well. But at the same time, though, Don Manningly did, uh, like Derek Jeter, for instance, like I mentioned before, the guys like the next generation, like Bernie Williams, Derek Jeter, Hori Posada, Andy Pettit, Bariano Rivera, a lot of those guys, they all learned a lot from Don Mattingly. So anyways, that's why I decided to go with Lou Gehrig, Derek Jeter, Thurman Munson, Don Mattingly and Ron Guidry and Willie Randolph as my top five Yankee captains. So that's my top five. What's your top five? You can feel free to tweet me at HistoricNYY on Twitter, and you can also feel free to comment on Facebook and Instagram as well. Um, Also, you can feel free to email at historicpinstripes at gmail.com for your top five or any suggestions on maybe future, future episodes as well. So as always, Thank you for listening, everyone, and go Yankees!